Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hello and welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and this is our weekly turn at MPV. Here we come in and we have an in-depth discussion with a different creative Mississippian. That can be an artist, a musician, a craftsperson, or someone who helps promote the arts in their community. And today we've got one of our new uh, members of our artist roster, which is a roster of artists from throughout the state, performing artists, visual artists, storytellers, um, runs the gamut from blues to gospel to symphonic music to potters. Uh, So this is a a new artist roster. His name's Christopher Mabry, better known as Big Yayo. Hey, welcome. thank you. Now, you're new to the Arts Commission in terms of uh, thing, but you're not new to folks in Mississippi. They've, if, you, if you listen to Southern Soul Radio at right. all, they've, right. they've known your work for a while now. Right, yeah. We've been, we've been doing this for a long time. I think I had one of my first big breaks in about 2005 uh, with an artist called Dave Mack. So we did a whole album, didn't know what we were doing, kind of recorded out of a little makeshift studio. And we ended up scoring really, really big with a big single. So I've been behind the scenes for a long time, yeah. But then you kind of got behind the mic yourself in the last couple, few years here, yeah, right? about last year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I always demoed stuff and, you know, playing around a little bit. And um, one day, with some encouragement, someone said, you should really try. You should at least, you know. And that's what happened. We got in front of it and dropped off a single. And this never happens, but it started working from day one, so... That was amazing. And we'll talk more about that, but that's Cowgirl that people right, know. Right, if right. you've been out uh, uh, line dancing at your uh, local club in the yeah, last year or two, yeah. you probably have heard it. Yeah, absolutely you have heard it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very infectious. Well, let's let's first take a step back okay. and say, so you're uh, originally native of Holmes County, is yeah, that right? Yeah, I am. I'm born and bred in Holmes County, Goodman, Mississippi. Um, my mom was a uh, school teacher in Holmes County School Systems, and uh, my father was a truck driver. So grew up around Holmes County um, listening to blues. So um, I had a relatively uh, famous cousin. His name was Boyd Rivers, and he played blues. He went all around, and he played, man. I mean, it just fascinated me. You know, my grandmother actually was a uh, slide guitar player. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, and she didn't do it professionally. It was just something... When she felt, you know, some kind of way, she would sit in her living room, and you would hear that slide. Just, and it's amazing to see your grandmother, because you know she worked really hard through the day, you know, and um, to come in in the evening time because she kept all of the grandkids. So why all of the, she she had eight boys. So she had oh my, yeah. a pretty big daycare center, you know, <laughs> self-proclaimed daycare, right? Yeah. So. Uh, and that was one of the things that would make us all sit down and just be mesmerized, you know, playing that guitar. Was she playing electric or acoustic? She was playing electric. Okay. It was a red and white Fender. It almost unknown. I, I, I don't know why I always think of her guitar along with the one that um, Roy used to play on Hee Haw. It's kind of red and white with the blue the trim. Red, white, and blue one. Right. Yeah. And hers had yeah. the blue trim around it. It was just okay. always amazing. So I always associated her electric guitar 
with his. So. And was it only at home that she played? She yeah, played church I, I, at all? I, I never heard her play anywhere other than in oh. her living room. Nowhere else. Uh, and Boyd was her nephew, and he played everywhere. I just recently saw something on uh, on the Internet where he a film crew from Europe came over and followed him around back in the 70s. So, you know, right. that was a big deal back then. So, But never saw her play anywhere else except her living room. Now, Boyd's, he's passed yes, a long yes. one. Did you, did you get to see him ever as a yeah, kid? Yeah, he okay. used to hang around all the time. This okay, is, right. Her home was kind of like the centralized location. Um, we were in Holmes County, but we had, um, Boyd, her family was from Camden down in the Madison County, I think. Right. Uh, and so this is where they would stop on the way to Memphis coming up from that way. They would stop in Goodman at her house. She was always cooking and... Um, and boy would always sing when he come through. He, he wasn't shy about it. So <laughs> that's something that he always did. So that was kind of my first introduction of music and instrumentations. And, and the instrumentation was kind of the biggest thing because while everybody else wanted Tonka trucks, I wanted to get to them. So that's kind of where it started. And when did you did you start playing as a child? Or how did you get first involved in music yourself? I actually... Uh, my mom was very supportive of uh, music because she loved music. Uh, she never played, didn't sing anything, but she was just a, a connoisseur of music. So any little thing, I've got pictures as, as early as, and I had to be four, and I had a little guitar. I had a little drum set. It was always there. It was always what my toys were. I didn't want bikes, really. I wanted something I can bang and press. So, And were you in school band? Did you do that kind of thing, uh, lo play with local people? In that, I, I, I did. Uh, I was where, where we came from in our elementary uh, school. There wasn't a music program, not even choral. <clears throat> and um, I can remember my elementary school went up to eighth grade. And in sixth grade, our high school band came down for a Mayday program. I remember like it's yesterday. And the band director, which is a good friend of mine to this day, uh, and I walked up to him. I'm always the person that will walk right up to you. you know, I don't meet any strangers. Say, hey, look, two more years, we're coming to see you. And true to form, my ninth grade year, when I got off the bus, I didn't go to homeroom, assembly, anything. Where's the band room? Where's the band hall? And I went right there where well, he had to literally walk me back to where I needed to be. Yeah. And that just started a lifelong friendship. He was the first person that really took the time to teach me, you know, just chord structure. And I had taken piano before, but it was more of a job then. Uh, I'm taking piano. Even though I like music, but when you're taking the courses, it's work. Yeah. He made it fun. I think one of the first uh, progressions he taught me was Roll With It by Steve Winwood. Roll with it, baby. So that was the first thing, and that just amazed me. This slight movement changes the sound. So I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. You got me. You're not playing a piano lesson. You're playing real music. I'm playing music. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And uh, he baited me a lot because he was older, and that's right around the time that hip-hop was just coming in fruition uh, from people like the Sugar Hill Gang and uh, – the LL Cool J's and the Salt and Peppers. And what he would let me do is take simple songs because then rap was sample-based and wasn't very complex. 
he would let me transpose the music for the band. Okay, you guys want to goof off because he called us goofing off all the time. So if you guys want to goof off, hear the song that you're out here goofing off, transpose it for the band, write it for the band. So that's how we became pretty popular in our small town because we were able to play a lot of the very popular songs from the radio through me and a couple of friends of mine transposing and working it out and then presenting it to the band. So now I'm really hooked now. Oh, boy, what are you doing? You're getting feedback from people. I'm, and, yeah. I'm getting feedback. Yeah. Um, we were one of the few bands coming from um, – high school was William Sullivan High in Durant, Mississippi. Uh, and <clears throat> where I came from, it was three towns that actually went to one school. It was Goodman, Pickens, and – West. Uh, Durant had his own high school. So you got three uh, buses coming in. And our band was one of the few bands that was, we, we performed at every Mardi Gras. I mean, we were really traveling around as a small town marching band. So we got a chance to really experience a lot coming from small town Holmes County. So it was, it was amazing for me. That's amazing. Uh, our guest today on the Arts Hour is Chris Mabry. He's also known as Big Yayo. Yes. If you're out, listen, you're out in the clubs or you're listening to uh, Southern Soul on the radio, you'll hear him all over that. And he's also a member of our Mississippi Artist roster at the Arts Commission. So uh, besides school band and that, did you have a band on the side? Were you writing songs with your friends? How did you kind of get into the creative side of it? The first thing, uh, going back to this, this one guy was so monumental in my development. It was kind of like... Call his name for us. Robert Johnson. Okay. No relation. All but, right. <clears throat> That's interesting, though. Right, yeah. right. So um, his name was Robert Johnson, and he was the band director, and he was in a show band. So he brought the idea to me and my goof-off buddies, because one was a drummer, I was a pianist, I had another girl that was a pianist, and um, one guy was okay with guitar so he said hey man did you guys want to kind of bring in some real instruments because it all started we did a performance where not only with the band we actually brought those instruments in and we played uh, down home blues with live drums cymbals mm -hmm. and everything he said man it's, it went over pretty good you guys want to maybe try to put a little garage band together and go around and we did and ours was different because we were still young but he was able to get us to go around to the different schools in the county and perform during their activity periods. If they had a program, we were the performing band because we were the only, we called it a stage band then. So we were the only stage band. So we didn't really do the nightclub stuff, but we would do, you know, we played at some of the community colleges, you know, in the evening time. So we really were moving around pretty good uh, as a stage band. So that was, once again, amazing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think coming out of high school, were you uh, still involved in music, or how did how did that change? Coming out of high school, I actually joined the Army National Guard. So um, we came uh, uh, straight out of high school, went to basic, um, did my schooling in the military through AIT, came back for two weeks, and my unit got activated for that storm. So through that process, I was out music. Now, they would have on some Army posts, uh, they would have music rooms where they have all the instruments, and some of me and the guys would go in there and kind of clunk around a little bit, but nothing major at all. Um, I came back, and um, once we came back from from the military, I came back and I I went to Heinz Community College here in Raymond, and I I was always fascinated by harmonies. That's always 
anything, just anything harmonic. So I've never been a vocalist, but I joined the choir just to get some understanding of, you know, and uh, first time saying Ave Maria, it just, whoa, now this is something completely different. It was just so, you know, infectious to me. So that really started, you know what I'm saying, even the Latin, you know, I'm American, I'm English-based, but through music you're learning. And that's what it kind of did for me. It was kind of my textbook. So that's what got me to really writing. Um, and I started in my dorm room at Heinz Community College, and a couple of guys, we all went in, and we did a talent show, and we won. It was kind of like, you know, I had the page book of, of kind of like the new edition story. We we didn't really know each other. We were college friends, you know. We came together, and we won big time, and it was standing ovations, and we were like. So that kind of started me really getting serious because that's when I brought every instrument I had in my dorm room. So Williams dorm, class of, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. I know you had to study. Became your studio, huh? Yeah. It was my <laughs> studio. So every up-and-coming singer, uh, it, because we were the one making noise, and my room was right on the corner. So open window where cars would come by, bam, 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 bam. Well, let's hear some music. Okay, you, uh, we, we First off, we've got one of your, your big tracks here. Tell us a little bit about this before we hear it. Uh, it was just, it was actually, um concept of this song, is it, it was fun. It actually came from a photograph. Uh, the studio that I use is in Canton, Mississippi. Uh, good friend of mine, Grady Champion, which is also. Oh, um, yeah, another roster artist right, member. Uh, Absolutely. He has a wonderful studio in Canton, Mississippi, and I, I was out. And actually... Because one of my first uh, loves in music is country music. So we were out um, redoing uh, a Conway Twitty song. And uh, I had the cowgirl beat with me. And I had a friend out there. And she was kind of uh, Dr. Barnes. We know her as T-Baby. But she was out there. And we were just kind of messing around with this track. And my friend had a picture uh, on his social media. And it was a young lady sitting on some hay and with the cowgirl garb on. And I said, man, I, uh, I need a cowgirl. She was really pretty. Yeah. So that picture just spawned, and we started playing around and throwing ideas back and forth, and we came up with the hook, and um, it was just magic from there. It was it was it was more of a fluke. So I've I've done more things just by accident than actually concentrating on doing things, and, and it it actually took off for us. It really did. We're back on the Arts Hour. Our guest today is Christopher Mabry, better known as Big Yayo out in the music world. Um, now, you, before we got started uh, here, we were setting up the mics and stuff. You were talking about your your time in radio. That right. You actually spent a good bit of time working in radio. Yeah, I spent between, um, about 10 years in radio here uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, with the uh, big hip-hop station, big uh, adult, uh, adult contemporary station, and also the gospel cluster. So, yeah, did I was the weekend guy for 10 years when everybody else wanted to get off and go do their thing. I was I was the guy that stayed in, but I had a had a science behind it because um I actually was were was running clubs at the time, you know, dance clubs. Okay. So who better to be on the radio on the days to promote your dance club than me? So no guys go ahead. 
take your time. Take as much time as you need. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right here. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, work from 7 to midnight, leave at midnight, and go. And I've got a jam-packed club. So, the twist. Yes. So, and, and, and that kind of leads to before you ever became a performer, you've kind of been in every element right. of so now that you're working as a performer with right. club owners right you understand their point their of language view. right yeah. and, that, and that's and that's one of the reasons because as an artist i haven't been doing the artistry side that long but we're making really really big strides because i speak the language i speak the language of going in and communicating with disc jockeys and djs and uh musicians and producers and club owners and promoters you know and i understand their struggle you know most time if you're not if you haven't done a job it's hard to relate to that job mm-hmm. so i'm really easy to relate because i've pretty much done everything that's great that's great so um started producing you know you started your wor- world as a producer in mm-hmm. your dorm room at heinz right right but then kind of uh that became kind of your first entree into music right. overall is, is, is working. So how did you kind of line up with some of the folks that you made your initial recordings with? It actually kind of started because by being in radio, the way I got a job in radio, because I was cutting commercials for my clubs in my home, little four-track task cam. Okay. And uh, the program director at the time was like, who did this production work? Me? Really? You ever been to radio? You want to be? So I the production came from radio commercials, just sounds, taking something off a piece of paper, no direction, just words, and making it feasible, making it something that's going to be appealing to somebody sitting in their car in their homes. So from the words and using other folks' music, I started to use small snippets of mine, and it didn't take away from anything. It didn't take away, you know, I could come off of a major artist song into a little bitty snippet of mine, and it didn't take away. So I was like, hey, I may have something. So um, I, I was working at the time at Nissan here in Canton, and it was a gentleman there, and he had one of the best voices I have ever heard. Uh, the funny thing about it, he was about 25 years old, but he looked like Willie Nelson. Hmm. Good or bad, however you want to take that. <laughs> Willie Nelson today? Today. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that's so a little he, rough. Right. <laughs> but he would walk around and sing in this song called Party Time. I had never heard it. And it was just amazing. It was just, and he would do it all the time and he would annoy some people, but I was never annoyed because it was just so beautiful with his voice. And I came back and I did the progression that I was hearing him singing. And I had a friend of mine, a guy named Dave Mack. And at the time, we weren't friends. We were cordial. But I knew he could sing because he was doing a lot of uh, Sam Cooke stuff, Johnny Taylor stuff. And he was doing this, singing behind hip-hop artists. So I'm like, wow, that guy is just nailing this. So I saw him one day at an eating place. And I said, hey, man, I got a, got a song. I got a track. Uh, what I was doing, wanting to do was demo the track to actually – maybe going over to uh, one of the uh, local record labels here and selling it Mm -hmm. for them. And we demoed it, and it came off amazing. For my lack of skills, because at this time, I'm not a producer. I just, I had the equipment. I had a room. We just did the best we could do. And I went to a friend of mine that that was in radio, and you see it on every movie, that that turn-the-corner moment when, 
the artist comes in there with an unknown song and gives it to the disc jockey and they look at him and whatever happens and he sticks it in and the phones light up. And that actually happened to me. We didn't have a name for the artist. We didn't have really a name for the song. I was taking it to him to get his opinion on it. And he was busy on the phone talking, oh, okay, give it here. And he just threw it on. Threw it on. And we left and, you know, got a couple calls. Oh, and I never forget, he he leaned back at me like I'm sitting in this chair and say, what's the name of the artist? And uh, Dave, that's Dave. <laughs> so, so that's how that came in the record. Then was a record called 13 Days that me and a guy named Dave Mack did. And it, it started it from somebody that knew nothing about the soul music end because I'm I'm in hip hop radio, but I knew soul music from growing up in Goodman and right. Holmes County with it. So it's all I knew. I knew how to do it, but it just took off and we we it's been going ever since. So that's kind of my first real introduction on the production side of doing stuff. Wow. Uh you're listening to the Arts Hour. Our guest today is Christopher Mabry, also known as Big Yayo. He's a member new member of the Mississippi Arts Commission's artist roster. Um so that kind of that just kind of ballooned from there, right? You you mm-hmm. started doing you over the last 10 yeah. 15 years you've done a lot of kind of yeah working with other artists and kind of in the production side of it. Right. Yeah. That's cause, because in the beginning when I was in radio, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an A&R. I wanted to go into artist and repertoire just because uh with my skill set of knowing music, the production of music, time management, uh, how you should present yourself, the look. Because I was a student of Motown, the Motown finishing school, you know, the poise, how you hold your hands, how you sit when you're doing an interview. I'm sorry I'm not doing it now, but <laughs> I'm aware, okay? We don't have a camera, so <laughs> right, you, okay, you can, all right. you can be casual. So, okay, yeah. great. So, But I was aware of those type of elements, and that's what I wanted to be. So with artists that I would see, and I would see greatness on them, but missing that one thing, you know, maybe oh, you can sing great, but you're wearing work boots everywhere you go. You know, so those little tweaks that we did, we were able to start getting some traction. People start noticing the artists that I've dealt with. And I've, I'm very proud to have, you know, spawned a lot of careers. Uh, uh, another roster uh, member, uh, Jay Wong, I think the last time that we yeah, met right. Uh, was right here mm-hmm. doing this with him. And, and he's gone on to do great things. So just to see... Uh, anybody that you have any kind of uh, relationship with uh, go on and develop and develop a, 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 a talent into a business. That's that's what really drove me. And <clears throat> so kind of like Dave Mack opened the door for you. Yes. People knew, all right, this is a, th- this song got out there and people right. heard it. So how did that, how did it then build on itself? Were people calling you, or were you making? How how were you making the yeah, further that, connections? That's what happened. Dave was was the artist. I was kind of the backroom guy, the management team. So I had, I would be the communicator. So all the phone numbers, emails, and believe me, this was so far back. I had more phone numbers than emails. It's not like that now. So. I just had the relationships with the people. I was a relationship guy. I believed in doing fair business, firm business, being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, you know, late is not an option. Those principles, so people really start liking the the uh, the structure. 
that I was presenting. So it got to be where no matter who I was representing, these relationships knew the structure so they would give certain people a second look or a first listen. So I was able to walk people in a lot of doors a lot quicker simply because what me and Dave had did and some of the other, I, I remember uh, I did a song for the legendary Pat Brown, um, which it was actually one of the first records I quote unquote sold to someone. And to see them take that record, something that I had did with this legendary artist and it just started working. So that's when I really started looking at myself, not as an artist still, but as management, A&R, to get our version. Because one thing I am a very, very big advocate for is Mississippi and all things Mississippi. Because when you travel around and you see things, it, it seems like in certain ways, everyone gets a piece of the pie except for what we do. We go in, and even to, today, we go to shows and we perform in front of tens of thousands of people. That's no different. Those are tens of thousands of people that are paying their money, same way they're doing it in the FedEx Center for the Jay Z's and no. So I just I would just like to see more uh, recognition for what we do uh, out there, and that's that's always been my advocacy. You know, let's push everything Mississippi, whether it's country, blues, doesn't matter. You know, we're the birthplace of American music, so. I've always been an advocate for it, so I, I really got to then roll my sleeves up and got some of these people the recognition that they deserve. Yeah. So when you, uh, so you were doing all this production for years and working with mm -hmm. artists and developing them, um, and then you put together this cowgirl song that mm -hmm. just kind of comes together just by chance. Right. Uh, were you ready to to jump on stage, or was that Not something that at all scared me to death? Yeah. Scared me to death. Worst thing you can have is a hit. <laughs> Worst thing you can have is a hit because, okay, goofing around, literally. You know, even the breakdowns in the song, the baby, baby, all of that was just us in the studio just, and it caught on. It resonated so strong with um, the, 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 and it's not necessarily about cowboy with the hats. It's just about the southern style of living. You know, we wear boots. Why? Because we don't want the red clay on our good shoes. So there's a reason behind the look, the clothes that we wear, you know. So it was just, once it jumped out there, I was terrified. I'm like, uh, what do I do? You know, I know what I'm telling you to do, but it's one thing for me to tell you, you do as I say, not as I can do. <laughs> so, um, but we got it together. Um, that's actually when my A and R kicked in, because I met two lovely ladies out of North Mississippi. Um, we were in Pontotoc, Mississippi, and visiting a band, um, and they um, great band, but they had two young ladies with this perfect harmony. So once again, anything harmonic, I'm locked in. Um, and I told him, I said, hey, man, you know, I've got this record, but I don't know what it's going to do. You guys are way up here. I'm way down there. I'm not sure, you know, how it will work out. But if I decide to start moving around, would you guys be willing to kind of move around with me? And they were like, yeah, sure. And it took me some months because I had to go back in and kind of get everything situated as far as traveling. And, and I, I made the call, and that was 
we just celebrated our two-year anniversary together uh, about three weeks ago, and they've been with me every weekend, three and four days per week for two years. Uh, their name is Shantae Nicole. They are a group named Shantae Nicole, and they've been amazing. So they, they kind of gave me, because they are vocalists, I mean, to blow the roof off of the, the ceiling vocalists yeah. uh, with this perfect uh, harmony that they have. So they kind of worked with me voice-wise. So I had a in-house vocal lessons. I had okay. everything. So while we're traveling around in the van, we're having class. You're learning now, too. I'm learning now. Yeah. I'm learning now from these two young ladies that I didn't know if they were even going to answer my call months later. But they did. And like I say, we've been rolling around ever since, and it's been an amazing journey. That's great. Let's hear another track. You've okay. got another one for us. Tell us what we're going to listen to. Uh, this is, and like we say, we always uh, pay homage to our country roots. This is an old Ronnie Millsaps track. Um that I went in and redone with some good friends of mine, Gentry Jones out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we kind of went back in and kind of put our spin on this, and this is No Getting Over You. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and uh, our guest today is Christopher Mabry, better known as Big Yayo, on your uh, stereo, on your radio, and in your clubs. You can hear him. A lot of different tracks out there. Um, I was thinking about kind of how, you know, you, I was... Um, there's a guy, um, Roy Doyle, who's mm -hmm. a, who's a photographer in the Delta, Mississippi mm -hmm. Delta. And he posted about a month ago, he's been, uh, documenting the black cowboys and cowgirls right. of the Delta. And about a month ago he put up, he's been doing a little bit of video and he has these guys, um, I think they call themselves the Young Guns. Young Guns. And they were working on working a dance step up yes, in, in the stable to one of in your songs. In the stable, right. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about kind of like when your song gets out there and you see people yeah. take it on like that. It's amazing. It's actually the new record that I have now. It's called the Boots On Song. And it's just a fun song. Uh, good friend of mine is a legendary writer, artist, uh, Omar Cunningham. He and I kind of put that record together. And... um Going back to the Young Guns, because what happened was my phone started ringing about it. Hey, man, have you seen the dance? To what? The, the Boots Home song. From who? I'm the guy. Yeah, I didn't make a dance. I'm the guy. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Well, hey, hey, are you next to you? Well, you're on your phone. Uh, check your Facebook. I'm sending a link to you. So I go in and I see these guys, and it floored me. It. The, the way they did it, and if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, it's just, it's silky smooth. And it goes yeah. back to what we were talking about, that essence of how Motown used to be, the dance steps, the, the choreography. And these guys are in the cowboy boots. And that's actually one of their stables. Yeah. He actually owns that stable. They're real cowboys. Yeah. They're real cowboys. Yeah. They do that. Mm -hmm. So they're in there doing it. The lighting was great. The photographer that captured it, it was great. They even got the horse out. The horse looked like it wanted to do some dance. And I'm like, who are these guys? So through the miracle of modern communication, do, 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 do. Hey, is this you? Yeah, this is We need to talk. And we've been great friends. I mean, um, going into 19, I'm actually tr uh, trying to incorporate them into my actual show. So just from doing things like that, it just floors you, man, you know, just to see, because they wouldn't do it for some, on a song they didn't like. So, you know, just to see that homage being played, it was just, it was amazing to me. That, that, now, that was a, a 
a really big highlight because they had taken time and choreographed this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's getting them a lot of recognition now. So, you know, kudos to that. I, that that's what it's about. That's exactly what it's about. Yeah. And I guess like cowgirl was like that in a lot too because you had the da- you had the dance that right. you came up with it and right. so we, that kind of spread it, it even more spread, right right you know anytime and that's that's the thing that's my production style is more up tempo uh, party size because come being a DJ uh, it's a mathematical formula ninety to ninety five percent of the, of the music that's played in any club it, it doesn't matter. If it's reggae, blues, country, rock, rap, it's going to be up-tempo. You only have a very few songs when they decide to break it down that's going to be slow-tempo songs. So I concentrate on, you know, I got a better chance of getting in the mix in the 95% than I do in that top five. So that's why I do the records that I do, the up-tempo ones. And, you know, we do do, you know, 360, the whole gambit of records, but I'm Mr. I Can Make You Dance. That's what I do. So, well, you've done it before, so just I've done keep it doing right. It, yeah. I, I've done it before, so that's why I, I love doing. I love to see people interact, especially on the dance floor. So it's such a natural thing, you know what I'm saying? Everybody likes to dance. The other part of your uh, style that's like a real classic is that, and it's probably not the actual thing, but you know. Uh, a lot of artists from the '70s use that vocoder sound. Mm-hmm. Rock, yeah. Roger Trout from Zap right. and and, uh, and a lot Peter of Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton, a lot of rock right. and and soul. Uh, I think Stevie Wonder did. Stevie a little Wonder bit does this. it, yeah. um, and I do. I use them both. Okay. I, I first came in using the what they call the TC Helicon, the thing that was made famous by artists like T Pain. So it's actually more program based. But I was like, wow, I like that. So I actually went in and learned to use the actual. Vocoder. So uh, you have an actual oh, vocoder? Yeah. Do you? Oh, okay, cool. You can't, you can't even play with that sound and at least not have one. You gotta, okay. And once again, that's one of my toys. So I, I actually like it better. Uh, what I do like about it is it doesn't matter of your vocal ability. If you can play it, you can say it. And a lot of people don't know you're not speaking. Like we're speaking now. We're pushing air out. With that, you're only mouthing the words. You're not making any noise. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Because it's shooting air back into your mouth. Okay, I didn't know how it worked. Yeah, that's how it, that's how it works. You, it's got a tube that you, goes in your it's mouth. It's got right? a tube and yeah. it's pushing sound into your mouth. Okay, it's pushing a tone into your mouth. So as you move your mouth, however you're moving your mouth, same way your larynx works. It's just taking that, and if you pull off the tube, it actually has a little larynx in the machine. Huh. So it vibrates and. Um, it forms those sounds by using the keyboard, guitar, pretty much anything you hook to it. If you hook something to it and, you know, make the signal go through, you can play it like Frampton. That's why I really liked it with Frampton, you know. Um, and even with the Bon Jovi, wow, wow, I, I love when they did it. So mm-hmm. everybody's used it. So I, I'm in a, like my grandma said, I'm in pretty high cotton. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We're talking with Christopher Mabry today. He's Big Yayo, uh, a a writer, a producer, and a performer, and uh, so and many other things. You probably got a few other things you've done as well. We're not even going to get to today. Right, we, we couldn't get to all the things. Well, what what kind of stuff are you working on now? Do you have? Uh, are you still kind of um, producing artists or? Is Absolutely. That, okay, I'm a producer first. That's that's what I love to do. I, the performance is great. I love interacting, but I'm a producer first. So, 
I, I travel all around, and anybody that I can do a record with, I'm out here doing. It's just I'm a collaborator. Some people are more solo artists, solo bass. I want my stuff to be my stuff. I'm more of a collaborator. So uh, a lot of the artists, um, we've got a, a, a production unit. Um, we call it the A-Team, and it consists of several different states. I'm A-Team Mississippi. Uh, we've got um, Nelson Curry, which is in the Carolinas. Uh, big record, uh, the Sugar Shack. So he's in the Carolinas. Then we have Gentry Jones in the Memphis and Dallas, Texas area. And we got another guy named Joe Nice, and he's out of the Carolinas also. So we kind of throw ideas against each other, musicians. Uh, Gentry Jones, they're amazing musicians, actually. Tony Gentry is the guitar player for, um, oh, he's going to kill me. Big band in Memphis. Oh, they're going to kill me because I forgot. I'm sorry, Tony. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. But I'll think about it. But, um, yeah, just we collaborate. So I'm always producing. Right now, what I'm doing, I'm working on kind of um, a full-length collaborative project, kind of like what Dr. Dre did for hip-hop, the collaboration without being a compilation. People in a room, all ideas on the table, what can we come up with? And it's called Black Rodeo. So it's kind of a homage to the movement of the new black cowboys, you know, that whole thing. That is such a big cultural shift now. I mean, it is really, really amazing now. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that. Um, but first, and, and, and hopefully, please, 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 for the end of this year, I'm looking to release the Boots On album to support the Boots On song because the Boots On song is doing so well. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's trending to smash Calgary on song. So is that <clears throat> is that going to be uh, just you or is, is Omar on other tracks on that? Yeah, Omar is that... Omar's on other tracks uh, on the on the Boots On album. Uh, Gentry Jones is on other tracks. It's just kind of... The reason I decided to do the Boots On album because oh, this past summer there was so much work and so much movement. So songs were being done it's kind of done and put back so i just kind of wanted to capture that period mm -hmm. that we were that we kind of found this song and here's some more supporting songs that have a story based around this song also so we're going to do maybe like 10 to 12 tracks and make the boost on album you know hopefully please please please, please by the end of this year and then the bigger project which will be black rodeo um in 2019 and do you uh you're you're on the road a lot, you perform yes. live a lot. Are is there any kind of um physical music sales as part of what you do anymore? Or is it all just everybody's listening online and they're already they know the tracks that way? There are physical music sales, um and a lot of them. Um, are there? there's not a lot of physical music sale stores. That's the issue yeah. with that, but when you're going into these uh, towns, people want a piece of you, um, and that's one thing that I really like to do. Um, the, the cups, the, the CDs, I like for people because that's that's a big deal to me. I want a little piece of something that I like, and if these people are coming out, spending their money, um, they they want the CDs. Uh, I think I heard someone quoting, and I, I don't know if it's a misquote, but the legendary Barbara Rush say, hey, man, the music is free, but they want to pay for the autograph. So right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm always, I've always believed in that, so they want something. Now, um, 
some of the challenges are because technology, you know, most stuff is online. And that's for an artist like me, that's a great thing because, you know, 15 years ago, you weren't able to manufacture your own CDs, let alone records. You know, that's a whole different, you have to have a pressing plant to do records. So down they're giving a little bit more control to the artist. So for independent artists like me, it's, 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 a, it's a good move. That's great. Yeah. And when you, um, when you go in and you, you are producing, do you come in with, how would that work? Does, does they come in with the song or do you have a song for them or how, how, how do those kind of collaborations come together? It works both ways. Sometimes we go in, we have nothing. You know, we'll, we'll sit around and somebody will bang on a desk or home out of line, and we'll build from that. Uh, a lot of times, because of the success of some of the records that I've done, they're requesting my sound. So I'll have something, at least something in outline, sketched out, uh, musical form, you know, a, a quote, um, a demo beat or something like mm -hmm. that for them. Um, but it, it goes, it goes both ways. We've gone in and done records with nothing, with no music. I mean, we've done some acapella stuff that is, that sounds amazing. It's kind of built on that structure like Ave Maria. So it, 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 it just, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, I think when people are asking for a particular producer, they're asking for a particular sound. You wouldn't get you know, Peter Frampton come in without the wah-wah. You wouldn't get T-Pain to come in without the vocal. You, you're kind of buying into, you know, the producer's lending his mm -hmm. toolbox to you in hopes that his audience combines with yours to create a bigger audience. And it goes both ways because there's some artists that I've produced um, with my friend Nelson Curry. He had the biggest record. And for me to do his follow-up biggest record was a really good look for me as a producer, not as an artist. So it works both ways. Christopher, what, what do you got coming up in the next, you know, we're, we're at the end of 2018, maybe coming up for Big EIO and, or your production work in the next six, eight months or so? Uh, People are even looking for? Yeah, now, um, still touring. I mean, the touring never stops. Uh, absolutely booked every day to the end, every weekend, twice a week to the end of 2000. Uh, 18, 2019, of course, the projects that I'm talking about. My, my real big focus is the Black Rodeo album and the album for Shantae Nicole. I really want to bring back that old Diana Ross, Marvin, and Vandellas type of, and they've got it, and they're young. They've got a new twist to it. We're using new sounds. We're using that same swag and same structure that they used to use. So it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. If people want to find out more about your music and what you're up to, your tour dates and that, where do they go? Um, easiest place to go is www.bigyayo.com. All of my social sites are there. Just hit the links and you're automatically connected with me. Uh, we do a lot of free music there. When I'm demoing a song, when I, you know, just want you to get it first, that's where it is. So free music is there. Um, show updates are there. Um, uh, tour schedules are there. Uh, videos are there. Just, you do a lot of videos too, like yeah, tour videos. And yeah, that as well. yeah, yeah. And, and that's important now because we want people to actually see. So when and it helps us, you know, to to so promoters. If you're if you don't if you're not in, too much sold on me, not yet. I can give you a tool to say, hey, well, this is what we bring to the table, and it's and it's a negotiating tool. So everything that you would ever want is www.biggayo. Dot com. Leave a message, join our mailing list. We send out special free stuff. Uh, we've got, you know, 
gifts in now that we just randomly pick someone off the mailing list and hey can we have your mailing address and off you go very cool very mm-hmm. cool well thanks again for coming in thank you for it. having me today if you like the show you'd like to uh, listen again or share it with a friend you can go to the mpv website at mpvonline.org they post all our past shows as uh, streaming files and you can share it with a friend or or however you want to until next time we'll be seeing you around <laughs>